everybody. Welcome to the True Crime Squad. I'm Christy Brower here with my sister, co-host and partner in crime, Katie Weaver. <laughs> Almost literally real crime today, Katie Weaver. <laughs> How's it going? It is <laughs> I, the almost criminal. <laughs> you might want to wait to tell the story till a few more people have a chance to join, but let's just say this. I almost had to reach out to all of you to help me scrape up bail money for Katie at court today. For, for a person who just did really nothing wrong, but she nothing got accused of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Of course, this is our update, our live ups update, because we have been to court. There was a Indeed. motion hearing for Lori uh, Vallow Daybell today. There were three motions that we heard today. One was a, an order to compel to get some evidence. Mm -hmm. One was an um, objection to the death penalty. Mm -hmm. And the last was a motion in limine to... Um, strike some evidence so mm -hmm. we will go through all of it but katie first please tell us what happened to you in court today <laughs> all right picture it <laughs> fremont county courthouse 2023 uh <laughs> you're not allowed to record right? right we we're all very clear on that you can't record you can't take pictures like we know this so when you walk into the courthouse, well, when you walk into the courtroom, they do take you through a, you know, a wand. They, they scan you front and back, mm -hmm. a, a metal detector. You have to take your phone out of your pocket. We even watched the officer, the journalist in front of us. They searched his coat. They went through every pocket. Like they're mm -hmm. not effing around. And his bag. Like and they were bag. making sure nobody's mm -hmm. sneaking in recording device mm -hmm. well they did that to nate eden too i mean they you know they're they're super serious and we're we go in super light we yeah. go in with our jacket or our sweater and our phones and that's yeah. it and like car keys that's mm -hmm. that's all and they remind you right there to make sure you silence your phones which we did uh last week we saw uh, or two weeks ago we saw an east idaho news reporter get her phone confiscated because she didn't uh, silence it and yeah. it rang and so we joked with the uh, bailiff about that today. He was like, be sure and silence your phones. I'm like, well, I don't want you to take it away. And he's like, I had to do that. I'm like, I know. I was here. I saw. <laughs> anyway, like, they're starting to recognize us around there. A lot of people mm -hmm. are a little curious about who we are. Nobody really talks to us. We don't mm -hmm. talk to anybody. We keep our mouths shut because we just like to listen. You yeah. know, we're, we just, we're like just to there listen. to observe. Mm -hmm. we're, we're not in the little chatty Kathy club. We're just there to observe. Well, we decided to add live tweeting this week. Mm -hmm. And so Christy was doing the group, the Facebook group, and I was doing the live tweet. And partway through uh, the first part of the hearing, I'm just tweeting away and Christy's Facebooking away. And suddenly Judge Boyce stops what he's saying. He was in mid-sentence speaking to the uh, defense. And he went, but, but, there is someone pointing their phone at me that I think they're recording me like really paranoid kind yeah, of a response. It, it, was, it was a little pearl clutchy. Mm -hmm. And we both looked up and I'm looking around and I realized he's looking at me. <laughs> and I look at my phone and I'm like, so then I'm like, am I allowed to speak? Like, what do I do? I said, I, I'm just tweeting. So he makes a bailiff come over and investigate my phone. And I like, I hold it up and I show him mid tweet. I'm like, I'm just tweeting. And he's like, oh yeah, judge, she's just tweeting. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, thanks for following the rules. For the rest of the time, that bailiff kept his eyes on me. <laughs> it 
it, everyone looked at me like it was, oh my God, it scared the crap out of me. So well, it was then, the thing no one wants to get accused of in that whole no. court. Well, you know, all 10 of us that are in there. It's not very many people. There was hardly any. There were, what, three reporters, us, that uh, private investigator girl, and two detectives. There was not very many people in the courtroom today. Yeah. So because of that, they, they watch you like a hawk. Also, we've never, ever broken the rules. And we won't, because no. why would we do that? We want to be allowed to be there. Right. You know? Yeah, no, we would never break the rules. But still, I was like, Phew. so I'm trying to hold my phone down a little further to tweet. But, you know, I'm short. And I have short arms. And I have arthritis. So I was just leaning my phone on myself, you know, to tweet. Anyway, whatever. But then they break for a break. We'll tell you about that later. But uh, we went to, or, or we're sitting there. Lori's standing there visiting with her attorneys and Pryor. We'll tell you more about that later, too. But mm -hmm. I'm sitting there uh, tweeting still, trying to wrap up what happened in the first part. And I look over at the bailiff and he is staring at me. And I realize that he's not so sure that I'm not, you know, recording lawyers or Lori standing there talking to her attorneys. I felt like turning my phone, still tweeting, just fucking tweeting. <laughs> So again, I lowered my phone a little bit. I'm like, okay, Stephen, you have got to keep your phone down. We're both like, phones clear down here, trying to type. Yeah. Trying not to get yelled at again. <laughs> yeah. So, whew, that happened. Uh, voice is getting paranoid. And there's voice. a reason why. To be yeah. fair, last time we were at court, they mentioned that there had been some death threats against the prosecutor's office and the judge. And it came up again today. And then mm. we saw it this afternoon written in a brief. So yeah. they are a little bit nervous. They now, are. I'm not sure that I, I look in our town more like the Relief Society president, if, if you know, you know, than yeah. I do some kind of a, you know, mad wackadoo terrorist or anything. Right. But anyway, uh, wow. We've been in court every hearing for like two and a half months or something. So mm -hmm. it's not like we're not new. We're always very quiet, follow the rules. Oh, yes. But yeah, it was a very strong reaction, I would say. Someone is pointing their phone at me. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the energy was quite tense in the room oh, yeah. today. Just the mm -hmm. whole experience mm -hmm. was tense. Uh, it's a lot different to mm -hmm. have just Lori and her team and the prosecutors. Yeah. And we're seeing a lot more out of Lori's attorneys than we've ever seen. They mm -hmm. do a lot of just sitting back and watching and listening. They've not said a lot with Pryor mm -hmm. in the room. Pryor does most of the whining and yelling, you know, mm -hmm. these men handle things very differently mm -hmm. and much more um, methodically mm -hmm. and not nearly as um, dramatically. Although there was one quite dramatic moment. We'll get to that. <laughs> Thomas is a little more dramatic. He's a little he more red faced. Yeah. Yeah. We'll tell you what he said because what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. Maybe an obvious cover over the camera on your phone, like duct, duct tape that says just tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he doesn't. There's another hearing next Wednesday, oh. and I'm kind of worried that he's going to be saying no phones in the courtroom. I don't know right. if he can, but I don't think that he can. There are people typing away the entire time. The reporters around us are all on computers. I was going to say, I'd be happy to bring my laptop and just do, you know, use my phone for a hotspot. 
except for that i don't know if i can hold my laptop and tweet and type I and so much rather do my I phone am, it's way I quicker and easier far too fat for that but <laughs> well yeah and, and just trying to like hold it on your lap and like actually the sound of the typing is way louder than anything else that's going on i need to keep my phone in a hat <laughs> <laughs> like the urim and thumb oh god <laughs> And I definitely get in trouble. That was hilarious. <laughs> that was hilarious. Well, let's it was get a into little this. shocking. Yes. Yeah, it was. It was. And you know, the hard part is that you can't really react. Like I'm sitting next to her wanting mm-hmm. to laugh my ass off. And I mm-hmm. can't, you know, you're just like, okay, just go back to tweeting. You know, like nothing's happening. Here, like, we're fine. We're just over but here I behaving. To laugh so bad because oh funny as hell. I was just, I was a little freaked out after that, you know. But also, uh, I didn't know if I should speak. I wasn't sure what to do. I'm like, finally, I, yeah. I just said, I, I, and I held my phone. I turned it to him and I said, I, I'm just tweeting, mm-hmm. which we're allowed to do. And I know that because Nate does it. And well, well we yeah, what every, does. <laughs> we're not the only people that are t- oh, like no. doing social media type postings. Oh, no. In no, there. not so at all. We know it's okay. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So when we first got there, one of the first people we saw as we entered the courtroom waiting for the hearing to begin was uh, Mr. John Pryor as a spectator dressed down in jeans today. Yeah. Um, And, you know, he has gained a scholarship to Death Penalty Case University, don't you know, by having uh, Chad's case, um, uh, you know, separated and it's going to be later. He gets to watch this whole case so that he can learn what he's actually supposed to be doing, which is actually quite a lot different from what he has been doing. Mm-hmm. I, I I keep thinking, like, are you going to clue in that you're not doing what they're doing? We'll Listen, see. if at some point he files that same 55-page brief in opposition to the death penalty, I will be flat out dead. <laughs> he probably will. He I, I'm will. sure that there's a lot of, a lot of uh, plagiarism going on right now. Yeah, well, they plagiarized it too. Everyone does apparently, but you know it. But they, yes, because the stuff that he has done for the last three years, two and a half years, versus what these guys are doing, it's like night and day. So yeah, I I, I agree. We're going to see it some is. difference. Well, maybe and, we will. Uh, let's see. So uh, Brennan says people wouldn't be so upset and annoyed with the judge if he allowed cameras in for the trial. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, the not allowing cameras at this point is to protect the jury pool. And then the problem will be they're not going to be able to allow cameras in Lori's trial because that could taint the jury pool for Chad's trial because Chad's trial is meant to be held in the same community as Lori's. So Uh there's questions there. Uh, Smiling says, I wonder if part of the reason the judge won't allow video is because if they talk about the things that go on in the LDS temple, not wanting the public to know. I will guarantee you they're not going to talk about that. Uh Mm-hmm. That will They're making get, it real clear. Yeah. That will get skimmed over very much. We're mm-hmm. talking about a mostly Mormon group of attorneys on both sides. Mm-hmm. They're they're not going to talk about stuff that to them that literally could, you know, they could be killed for speaking those words. Mm-hmm. It not won't literally, happen. but it kind of gets taught that way. Yeah, well. Yeah, it does, actually, in the temple. So It does. And, yeah, the audio will be available. And, actually, the audio to these hearings are, are also available through East Idaho News. They're applying mm-hmm. for the audio. We haven't applied for the audio. We don't need it. We're there. We, mm-hmm. we come on and do this. I, I hate listening. Listening to the audio is hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's you don't not know who's like, talking. 
it's it's like ambient room recording. It's like mm-hmm. if you just turned on your cell phone in a room and recorded the room. It does not. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to follow. Well, um, I don't know about you guys' attention span, but that ain't it for me. No. However, a glimmer of hope today. This came out. Yeah. From East Idaho News. They applied to be allowed to have a, stretch, a sketch artist from the media pool in the courtroom. And that was, believe it or not, approved, granted. Uh, we laughed and said, uh, Judge Boyce probably won't allow them to sketch him, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> After today, it does make you wonder. So they are trying to hire a sketch artist that the media pool will share um, in order to uh, at least have that much footage from the courtroom. Mm-hmm. There will be that. There will be the live streams that we'll be attending that are local. There's mm-hmm. going to be some things, but, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Robin says this day and age, they need to have video and audio recordings of the trial that we can watch at least after the trial is over. Well, there will be. I mean, it will be documented. Mm-hmm. And there in fact, be uh, audio and video that can be used after the fact. There will be That's audio. very sure. possible. And mm-hmm. maybe those live streams are recorded for later use. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right, but maybe Chad's trial will be video, will be live streamed. Yeah. Rhombohedral, you're killing me. Besides, no cameras was all about Cora or Lori. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Somebody is on fire today. Yes, voice wants 25 <laughs> cents per minute for the audio. I, I know they are trying to recoup some of the cost. So the state has already paid $3.6 million on this case, guys. We haven't even had a trial yet. Yeah. Yeah. And now they're going to do it twice. Yeah. So there's kind of some hope on that too. East Idaho News is already saying they are going to buy that audio and they are going to release it. So there mm-hmm. is that. Uh, but there was something too about that price coming down. So it's coming down to $60 a day versus the about right. $90 a day that it was. Well, there's some but pressure like... Uh, that's exorbitant and ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it is. So we shall see. All right. So let's get in. Uh, to let's get into it. Oh, I'm with you, Joss. 100%. Yeah, yeah 100%. I know. Trial of the century, it's... no cameras. I, I know. Mm-hmm. I know. So, All here's right. what we're doing yes. we are working on putting together a team mm-hmm. of coverage because there's no possible way we can go every day. There's just, I, you know, no. we have jobs, lives, uh, you know, sick bodies. <laughs> we have bullshit, you know, we, mm-hmm. we can't. What we're working on is putting together a team of locals that can each take a day so that uh but also you have to apply and be accepted each day so there's always a chance that we will have days that none of us get in but Mm -hmm. we're working on putting together a a group of locals who can each take one day per week to go to court and report on it uh individually so that we will have a live warm body in the courtroom every day in the madison county side so we're not going to boise uh there's a chance you know i have we have family there that we could go and stay with there's a chance that we may take a day here or there and try and go to the main uh event uh um, and maybe the um penalty phase i'm very you know after all is said and done to go to the penalty phase would be yeah really important so we're we're working on it we're working on it we are hoping though to have a representative of true crime squad in the madison county courtroom side of the uh the courtroom every day yeah. to live tweet it every day. So we're working on that. Uh, and we have uh, 
We have three days covered so far. If you're a local and you're interested and you want to spend one day and you have it, that you could commit to spending one day a week in the courtroom uh, and you're not, uh, you know, afraid of pointing a camera at the judge. Just kidding. He won't be there. No. <laughs> there will still um, be come and talk though. to us. Yeah. Come and talk to us. Uh, that's what we're working on. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So that we can have, you know, so that we can be following this as closely as possible. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's see. When Lori entered the courtroom, she was just bright and smiley as usual. Uh, had her usual ringlets. She was wearing a gray blouse and a black skirt with black pants under it. Mm -hmm. Weird outfit. And, yeah, kind of an outfit with tall boots this time. But then, mm -hmm. of course, also her orange uh, ankle cuffs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the, she was the smiley, super smiley today. Ooh. She was. And it just chills my bones, man. It makes me sick to my stomach. Like, she's entering the courtroom to discuss the murders of her children. And the smiling and laughing is just, it's very strange to me. She doesn't take this seriously. Nope. The judge called oh, her Lori Vallow again mm -hmm. because he can't stop. And no one even corrected mm -hmm. it. I think, his, I think her attorneys are like, whatever. If correct, yeah, I, I think Mark means cared more about that, trying to like tie her to Chad. And now they're like, whatever, call her whatever. whatever. Yeah. Uh, the judge had major problems. His computer was flipping out on him. He tried to restart it. It didn't work. He actually did the whole hearing without his computer because his computer went nuts. And mm -hmm. I probably think that it was because of the voluminous evidence on the hard drive. I mean, that's all I'm mm -hmm. saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we started with the motion to compel. So the motion to compel was about wanting all of the recorded phone calls Chad has had while he's in jail and any recorded visits. So these are not with his attorney. This is other people. Mm -hmm. And you guys, there are 3,000 phone calls. 3,000. 3,000. 3,000. And five visits because... The visit recording gets overwritten, and apparently nobody told the jail they should be saving those, and so they weren't, mm -hmm. which is probably not good. Um, so basically, Lori's attorneys are like, we just got all of this on Monday, Monday mm -hmm. of this week. This hearing, or this trial starts in less than three weeks. So there was a big old argument back and forth about what why had they not had this before and they say that in july of 2021 uh and this would have been mark means made a request for all of chad's phone calls and recorded visits and they just turned them over two days ago in mm -hmm. 2023 yep so they're very angry about this and they're yeah. and they're saying uh there's not even enough hours in the day to listen yep. to all of these before trial. Mm -hmm. So they're really, really frustrated with this. They had to file the motion to compel to get it. And then this happens. Mm -hmm. So the big argument that's going on, and this is what keeps coming up. And it, I think this is the part that we have to really understand when it comes to the discovery. There are reports written about the discovery. And then there's the actual hard evidence, the audio, the video, whatever, right? So what's been getting turned over in a lot of cases is a report that someone wrote. 
about the evidence, but not the actual physical evidence itself. Mm-hmm. And the prosecutor's office says, hey, we sent you a report. We said this exists. You could have come and asked us for it. And you never did. Mm-hmm. And they are saying, we did ask you for it and you never gave it to us. You gave us this report. Mm-hmm. So there's a real battle going on. And that this is what this really comes down to for most of this discovery that they're saying that they have not received. What they've received are the um, the summaries or the reports with notice that, hey, if you want to see the original evidence, we have it. And what the prosecution is saying is that that is what we're required to do per Idaho law. Mm-hmm. And Katie, you have an absolutely brilliant take on this. And I think you should share it because it makes so much sense because they, you know, the, the defense attorneys are like, we don't understand why they're holding all this stuff back from us. Usually when, you know, Archibald said, I, I've worked with this prosecutor's office for 20 years. I always get whatever I need. Why is Mm -hmm. this happening? Yeah. So Katie. Here's what I think that my take on it is bear with me. This is going to go around some bends, but uh, the the big difference is prosecutor Smith. I remember that they have brought on prosecutor Smith. She's from Missouri. She has tried a bunch of high profile uh, death penalty cases and they brought her on as, uh, as Mark Means would say, the hired gun mm-hmm. to help out with this whole thing. And here's what I really think is happening. I believe, because really what we're learning once they argue things and they, you know, and the judge rules and stuff, most of the time they have not broken the law. Most right. of the time it's not a Brady violation. Most of the time things have been turned in on time or close enough to on time that everything's cool. I think that in Idaho, typically, the prosecutor's office has been doing the defense attorney's job for the most part. Mm -hmm. I think for the most part, they've said, here's all this evidence, but here's the things that we're actually going to use. Oh, you need this? Well, here it is. Oh, you need all of these things from the jail? We'll get them for you. Oh, you want this? Here you have it. I think that the prosecutors in Idaho have typically made the jobs of the defense easier. Mm-hmm. That that's just how it's been done around here. Just not I, here's the report, but here's the report and the evidence. Mm-hmm. Not expecting that the defense actually then has to ask for the actual raw data. Mm-hmm. And and part of this is when this first all started, and and it really started with Mark Means, and we were like, well, he's really uh, he's really green. He doesn't get it. Why does he keep? But prior has was doing it too, and we're like, why do they keep trying to insist that the uh, Prosecutors, so basically the prosecutor's like, here's 12 terabytes of evidence. And the defense is like, no, I want to know what you're using. And they're saying, mm-hmm. we don't have to tell you that. Right. We just have to get And we want it and- categorized and broken down. And they're yeah. like, yeah, we don't actually have to do that for you. Yeah. That's your job. Which by state law is true. Mm-hmm. What I really think is happening, and not, I'm not saying I like it or that this is fair or it's whatever, you know, they're calling it gamesmanship, and, and it probably is. But they are towing the edge of the line of the law and of deadlines in order to just give them everything that they have to. I think that the difference is Smith, that she's saying, no, we're not making their jobs easier. We're not giving them everything in a, you know, wrapped up in a package with a bow. We're giving them everything and they can figure it out. Mm-hmm. Now they have one of the things that they've done that's really pissed off the defense is they've handed them things like 
this evidence exists out there, mm -hmm. but not giving them the evidence. Right. Like here's a report on it, but the evidence mm -hmm. itself is stored here or wherever you have mm -hmm. to come. Actually, if you want more than mm -hmm. just the report, you've got to go physically see it yourself mm -hmm. is, is what they're saying. Like all of the uh, electronics that were seized from Chad's house in the FBI search. Yeah. The prosecutor's office has all of that stuff. And they have told them repeatedly, it's here if you want to come see it. And no one has ever come to see it. Right. And then they were mad about some evidence that they hadn't seen. And the prosecution's like, we told you, you can come and see it. But they haven't. Now, right. do I think the defense has been fair? I don't. Do I think that the defense has uh, made some mistakes? I absolutely do. But I think that this is pretty much where we are. Mm -hmm. I, I think what the difference is Rachel Smith. That's what mm -hmm. I think. I, I think you're right. That there, she's going, you don't actually have to do all of that. This is what you have to do based on Idaho law. Mm -hmm. And they're just doing the minimum where they have yeah. been over, you know, doing over and above in the past. Because because mm -hmm. Archibald said, I've never had anything like this happen before mm -hmm. with this office. And I, I think you're right. Mm -hmm. They've known that the jail calls exist. They've known, you know, that these recordings mm -hmm. exist. But yeah, cranky, interesting. So the defense is used to having it wrapped up with a bow. Right. They've known that stuff has existed. I don't know why they weren't asking for it before now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're trying to use this as like this stuff should be, you know, they need to strike this evidence. Um, really mm -hmm. what they're doing is they're trying to use this as leverage to drop the death penalty from Lori's case. Mm -hmm. That's really what this comes down to. And so... When there's evidence that's been turned in late or there's not enough time to use it, you mm -hmm. know, and, and that the and say, you know, if the prosecutors are, in fact, at fault, here are the remedies. Mm -hmm. Postpone the case, give them more mm -hmm. time. Strike the evidence and say it can't be used, which mm -hmm. like the judge said, well, how do we determine which can't be used and which can be? I mean, it's a huge amount of stuff. That's way hard. Or mm -hmm. a common, a fairly, apparently to the, according to the judge, a fairly common option is to drop the death penalty in a mm -hmm. death penalty case, basically as a sanction um, against the prosecution. Mm -hmm. And that's what Lori's camp was asking for today. Everything yep. they argued, that's what they're asking for. They yep. have argued for it that in the motion in limine mm -hmm. to, to drop some of this evidence as well. Yeah. Right. And there is a filing. The docket read the, fi mm -hmm. the filing, yeah, that was showed a slew of interviews in this discovery that were turned over to Lori's team during Means tenure. Yeah. It was in August of 2021. Mm -hmm. The problem is their reports. They've got reports. But they're not mm -hmm. the actual interviews, which, I mean, you can ask for it. Right. I mean, the reports are basically just a handwritten summary from the interviewer mm -hmm. of, of what was But said. if you want to literally hear what the person said, you would have to mm -hmm. request that, that right? Mm -hmm. Also, you know, th there's a lot of sides to this. This is not cut and dried. No. Um, at all. Because then there's also... Like with the with the phone calls, the, the prosecutor's office included a report that said we have flagged some certain calls that have either exculpatory. So evidence that would um, exonerate the defendant or inculpatory evidence, which would show that they're guilty. We have lot we have marked those calls for you and given you this 
report, right? Mm-hmm. Well, but Archibald's like, but that's not, we don't have to go by what you say. You don't know what we're looking for, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot. It's, this is very complicated. And the judge is sick of it. He's mm-hmm. so tired of this argument because it's just gone on forever. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it really does sound like a lot of this stuff really was turned over in a timely manner to the defense. Mm-hmm. There's a real question about those phone calls, though. I mean, yeah, they asked for them starting in July of 2021, and they've never received any until two days ago. That's bullshit. Yep. Mm-hmm. That, that's the one that really kind of stands out. Like, oh, yeah. Everything yeah. else they've talked about actually has been turned over or was turned uh-huh. over. So here's the other the other big issue was all of the discovery due on the 27th of February, or was it due before the 27th of February? It's one word before or Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. the order says before in court, the judge said on a bunch of times. So I don't Mm -hmm. think that particular evidence is even going to get touched because I think the judge Mm -hmm. is going, we kind of said both. We can't Mm -hmm. really smack anybody down for this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that was kind of interesting today when Wood brought that up and he's like, look, this is what was said in court. This was your, this is what you indicated. This is what you said. We did what you said. And he's like, right. well, the filing said, he's like, yes, but you said. You said in court on. Mm-hmm. And boy, that really ch- kind of changed the flow with the judge. It did. It backed the judge down mm-hmm. quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So let's see where we're at here. And the, you know, I mean, 3,000 phone calls. Holy shit. I mean, that is wild. So I've been doing some quick math because I was thinking about how expensive that is and who paid for that because it's not free to talk to people in jail. He has to have money on his uh, telemate account. So in Madison and Fremont, it looks like on telemate, it is three, it 25 minute or sorry, 25 cents will pay per minute. 15 minute blocks are $3 and 75 cents. So let's say, so he had a little more than three phone calls per day on average, if you average Mm -hmm. it. So let's say that he talked for 15 minutes a day, three times. Okay. So $3 and 75 cents times three would be $11 and 25 cents a day, which that's really, really conservative, right? Yeah. And then we're going to times that by let's see actually i keep moving i did this wrong i keep moving but i'm going to give you some math here in a minute to kind of illustrate how expensive these phone calls to chad have been this this is this is when john thomas really gave us a pretty interesting moment so he was arguing you know about the issue with the calls and the state saying we gave you notice that these that all of this was available for inspection you should you could have just come and looked at them and Thomas said he could be on notice for lots of things like that Heavenly Father may come down and scoop her up, referring to Lori. <laughs> but this what? doesn't make it true. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. That The whole courtroom just got super quiet for a few minutes. Like, 
did he just, did he just say that? Because we all know, you know, Lori has said stuff like that, that she may just be spirited away. You know, somebody's, some angel's going to come and save her and all that stuff. So that was pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, So they went back and forth on this for a while. And really, you know, the defense says we didn't actually turn these calls over. We didn't. But that they've been available if the defense wanted to ask for them. The thing, the other problem you have here is that Archibald and Thomas are coming in sort of at the end. I mean, Mark Means was her attorney for at least Mm -hmm. two and a half years. And Mm -hmm. so, so much of this case and so much of the files that they have came from him. And we all know he wasn't doing shit. He was, he was filing stuff about him getting picked on by the prosecutor. He wasn't really doing anything. Just repeatedly trying to get the prosecutor thrown off. Yeah. He wasn't really doing anything for Lori's benefit or really preparing for a trial. No. So there's lots of stuff like this because it was means who would have filed that request for those calls. So we have that. Um, the judge said, so what's happening is we have court again next Wednesday at 930. Mm-hmm. He's giving an oral um, ruling on everything that was reviewed today. Mm-hmm. So we'll go back and then he's going to give his ruling on all of this, which should be very interesting. So, so then they moved let into... Let me give you that math real quick. Now I've oh, got yes. it. Now, Give us I math. got my head out of my ass and realized I was doing it way harder than it needed to be. And oh, uh, okay. I, you guys have to understand, we went to high school in Idaho where for math, all they teach you is that one potato, two potato song. So right. be patient with me. Uh, Rob Wood, the prosecutor, went to the same high school as us. He's just a little younger than us. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he, Takes he's in the same boat. 3,000 phone calls. That were 15 minutes long a piece. And of course, we don't know that, but this is our average, right? What it would be $11,250. Holy shit. Who has bankrolled that? Who has bankrolled that? Yes, it's been Chad's family. Yeah. That's what we think. His family, his children, maybe some of his following. Um, People in his community who are still on his side, which... Well, there were some interesting names in that brief that was uh, posted today that were all locals. Names I recognize. Local people that live in their community. Yeah. So that was pretty wild, but that's crazy to think. Mm -hmm. We're beginning to wonder if because of something. So at, at the, during the recess, I heard Pryor tell someone else that he had had to take the 12 terabyte hard drive of evidence and make three copies of it mm-hmm. to give to other people on his team. Mm-hmm. Now I'm starting to question who's bankrolling chat at this point. Where's yeah. that eleven thousand dollars coming from? Where's the money coming from for prior to suddenly have a team of four people? It's been, it's only me, Your Honor. I can't possibly be ready for this trial. I mean, we've heard that a million times out of him. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not only him now. And where is that getting paid? Who's paying for that? Yeah. Because we know Pryor already owns Chad's house. Mm-hmm. He really didn't have much left after all was said and done. Right. Not from his book sales. You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> not from his book sales. Probably Jason Mao, Robin, <laughs> Robin Swan says, I don't know. But someone is bankrolling this because mm-hmm. all of a sudden Pryor's got money to hire people he's not had all along. And then 
who's putting that much money on Chad's books for that many phone calls? Right. At least we don't think that he's had all along. It has, It was two months ago. I mean, for a long time, he has said in court, it's just me, Judge. Oh, yeah. They want me to do all of these things and read all of these briefs, and it's just me, Judge. And how unfair it is the prosecution has all of this support staff, and it's just me, Your mm -hmm. Honor. I mean, we've been hearing that the about, time. Yeah, and then starting about two months ago, he started saying my team, and we were like, yeah. your, team, your team, you say? Interesting. But who's yeah. paying for that? Right. Not his kids. His kids have not got that kind of money. You guys, they're oh, no. teachers. Yeah. They've not got money for this, but somebody does. And, you know, some of the people that he was involved with, some of the organizations he was involved with, there are people in those in, in that group that do have money. And I'm wondering if someone has mm -hmm. come forward or a group of someone's have come forward to start bankrolling because money's coming from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Sure seems to be. they haven't sold his house. Hmm. And, you know, at this point, we're this far in. The money from that house is gone anyway. It's got to be. You would sure think so. It's Maybe not it's the, church. the church. It is not the nah. church. No. Not they are sure. staying as far away from this as humanly possible. People in the church, however? That's possible. Neighbors, ward members? People who were following him. There's there's possibilities there. There really are. For sure not that lady across the street. Uh, no. <laughs> right. The sect that Julie Rowe was part of. Right. There's some people in in that little group that we wonder about. Mm -hmm. So yeah. then, so the judge listened to all of that. And he said, okay, I'm going to rule on this next week. And so then they went into the motion to dismiss the death penalty. And we have talked about it quite a bit on here, mm -hmm. but they gave several reasons. The um, media coverage, the her mental health, mm -hmm. all of the these um, discovery violations that they're alleging. Mm -hmm. And then they brought up um, Idaho's um, ineffective way of handling the death penalty penalty death penalty. They talked about Gerald Pizzuto, who you all know who that is, because we've been covering Gerald Pizzuto's case for a couple of years now. We've He's been talking been... about Idaho and the death penalty into infinitum. Yeah, we the have... crimes that the warden committed in order to put uh, two other people to death. Yeah. You know, the backdoor deal. the drugs, and mm -hmm. then now, you know, they desperately want to kill, kill the dying Gerald Pizzuto. Mm -hmm. Just his latest um, death warrant just expired, because yet again, they do not have the money. Mm -hmm. to, uh, or not the money, but the drugs. They don't have the drugs to execute drugs. him. No. They can't get them from anywhere. That's true. There is some questions about uh, Warwick. Melanie Gibbs. Now ex-husband? Brief husband, now ex-husband. Yeah. Um, so, and, you know, the, so he brought up all of that. Like, what's the point? Idaho can't execute anybody anyway. And then, you know, because you've probably seen it in the news, because Idaho is always in the news for some dumbass thing. And lately, it's that our legislature is considering right now reinstating the firing squad. Mm -hmm. And there's some argument there about whether Lori would qualify. Because some people are saying that the law says that that law wouldn't apply to her because it would come into place after the beginning of her trial. Some people are saying, no, it's when the actual penalty phase happens and she is sentenced to the death penalty. And, and it's possible then the, then the firing squad could be used. But the firing squad plan is extremely expensive. Mm -hmm. 
it was not run past the Department of Corrections before it was even presented in the legislature because, mm-hmm. well, welcome to this dumbass state. And so we don't know that that Idaho is even going to s- approve it. I doubt it just because the state loves to run on a, a billion dollar surplus. Right. But also understand Idaho has never executed a woman. We've had women on death row. We have one right now. One right now. But they just, they never actually execute women. They just, Probably uh, death row forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it would behoove the judge at this point to drop the, te- to the death penalty. I think so. It too. would. I kind of think he will. I it feel will like solve maybe a lot of this. It would solve a lot of problems right now. It would solve a lot of problems in the appeals process. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that it would uh, remedy if he would just take the death penalty off the table. And I really hope that he does. I, mm-hmm. I think that that's, that's the remedy right now. And I know some of you guys would love to see it. And I'm not saying what Lori did was right or any of those things. But I think that just uh, legally with the, you know, the whole process here and all of the missteps or perceived missteps and all of the issues and also Idaho's dumbass issues, it makes more sense to drop the death penalty. Right. I, I it doesn't agree. make any sense to carry this or to try and keep carrying this. Well, and they're going to come in um, swinging in during the, the uh, penalty phase about her mental health. Anyway, mm-hmm. there's going to be a big battle yes. over that. But boy, did we learn some things today, guys. One thing that's really interesting about Archibald and Thomas is they're not afraid to talk about names and potential evidence that we didn't even know for sure was real or existed. Mm-hmm. Like everyone's been like, oh, you know, that one thing we can't talk about, Your Honor. These yes. guys don't do that at all. Mm-hmm. We now know exactly how Dr. Wellner comes to play. Katie, do you want to share it? Because this has kind of been... Your uh, yeah. your specialty area. Tell us about how Dr. Wellner came in. Well, let's talk about Dr. Wellner. We talked mm-hmm. about him a few weeks ago. Our ears pricked up in court a few weeks ago when Dr. Wellner was first mentioned, and neither of us knew who that was. In court, I was Googling him, not recording anyone, just Googling. I just to be clear, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> Dr. Wellner is a forensic psychiatrist yeah. whose job is to typically determine the mental health of and the status of and why people do the things they do. And he frequently testifies in court. Mm -hmm. Well, years and years ago, he was called to work on a case that you probably remember, Elizabeth Smart. And he evaluated Mitchell, the man who committed all the crimes against Elizabeth that uh, kidnapped Elizabeth, right? And what he, yes, he's the hyper-religiosity expert. Yes. And he, uh, at that time, did so much work that he kind of rose in the field as an expert in hyper-religiosity and polygamy and Mormon sects. Yeah. Sects. Of which there are many. It's important to understand that Mm -hmm. there are a lot of Mormon Mm spinoffs. You know, we grew up in the mainstream Mormon church, but there are Mm -hmm. many alternatives out there Mm -hmm. in the world yep so here's what we learned today that we thought was super duper interesting dr wellner has been a part of evaluating lori since she was first committed yeah he's been a part of this conversation for years 
Yeah. Yeah. And they, the defense does not want him to testify. They super duper don't want him to testify, mm-hmm. you know, and the prosecution was like, I mean, obviously they don't want him to testify. Yes, we know. They tried to claim that it was because uh, the information, you know, his reports and whatnot were turned in late, but the defense uh, or the prosecution proved pretty quickly that actually they That's weren't. That's not true. That's they a non-issue. But uh, then they said, but you guys said, you said that you are not going to use mental health as a defense. So if you're not using mental health as a defense, we're not going to call Dr. Wellner to the stand until penalty phase. And they kind of were like, okay, well, fine. We'll believe it when we say it. You know, it was kind of a, well, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm glad to hear that. I hope that that's true. Kind of an answer from uh, Archibald. But uh, basically, here's the thing. And this is what the prosecutor said. He said, if at any point during the trial you do bring in mental health, we will call Dr. Wellner. So that's, they're going to be walking on a tightrope here. That's to avoid. a slippery slope in this mm-hmm. case. Yep. They are going to have to uh, try to avoid having Dr. Wellner on the stand because they don't want that. Right. They are salty about Dr. Wellner because he's never actually met Lori. He has studied Lori's case mm-hmm. and offered a diagnosis. And uh, doctor, uh, doctor, not a diagnosis, mis- really, but a not really, but a, a synopsis, right? Or a, a theory. Well, just an opinion. An opinion. And doctor, or a doctor every time, uh, Mr. Archibald felt like that was extremely inappropriate that a medical doctor would offer some kind of an opinion like that without ever meeting. He's actually forensic psychiatrist. He's a forensic psychiatrist. literally his job. It's, it's really, um, it's actually real common mm-hmm. because they don't always get access to, to the defendant because if the mm-hmm. defendant's attorneys are like, oh, hell no, she won't, they won't get access, but he yeah. can get all kinds of other information and talk to other people. Yeah. Uh, welcome, Stacy. I'm really glad that you could make it. Yeah. I wanted to just address one thing. Ron Behedral said, uh, I heard they can only get life without parole if death penalty was on the table. That is not true. But it depends on... Not every, in Idaho. State is yeah. different, but not in Idaho, no. First-degree murder can come with um, death penalty or, or life without parole, whether the death penalty was part of it or not. But anyway, yeah. just one. Yeah. But go on, Dr. Wellner. So, well, so that's what we know, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it's really interesting. Dr. Wellner charged the state of Utah a quarter of a million dollars for the work that he put in on the Mitchell case. Yeah. Now, he, I don't think, has put that much work into Lori's. uh, However, that's how expensive the dude is. And bringing him, like, this is not cheap. This is a huge deal to bring Dr. Wellner in. Huge. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and they will bring him in to the Mm -hmm. penalty phase Mm -hmm. because Lori's attorneys are presenting a mental health defense for mitigation Mm -hmm. during the penalty phase, which is basically to say, these are the reasons why this person shouldn't get the death penalty. Mm -hmm. The defense is going to bring Wellner in for why she should. Right. But also from what we gathered today, and again, these are snippets. These are little things that we're hearing from both parties that we're plucking out. He's not convinced Lori's mentally ill. No, he's not. I, you know, the, the, I don't know. It will be dueling experts at this mm-hmm. point because um, Lori's attorneys have, what did they list? Three or four doctors mm-hmm. that they could bring in during the penalty phase who mm-hmm. say she is, including yeah. doctors who treated her in the hospital. Yeah. So, you know, 
But he certainly well, is he an might... expert in this extreme religious stuff. For sure. Do you think he could be drawing a line between mental illness and personality disorders, though? He could be, and he could be including, like, people can be delusional uh, in their beliefs, but that doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily make them mentally ill. I mean, there's a lot of mm -hmm. stuff he could say. So, Because at one point it was leaked that uh, we believe from Mark Means that Lori's uh, diagnosis was schizoaffective disorder. Yes. Yeah, and... Um, you know, I've talked to several other mental health professionals who think that that is uh, the most likely diagnosis for her based on her mm -hmm. history and the things that have happened. Yeah. yeah. And we do believe she's being forced medicated at this point. Yeah. Yeah. We that can't is, prove uh... that because that was sealed, but there was a whole thing around that, mm -hmm. that that was a solution that kept her from going to the hospital again. That was in yeah. October of last year. Yeah. And Robin, you're correct. There's a big difference between mentally ill and mentally incompetent. She's yes, absolutely you, competent to be where she's at. Yes, absolutely. You just and Red, have to understand with that as well. Yeah. yeah, you just have to understand the charges against you mm -hmm. and be able to participate in your defense. That's competence. And she is doing both. Does she take this seriously? Does she act like someone who's charged with the murders of her children? No. Mm -mm. But does she seem to understand what's happening? Yes. She has very clearly refused to waive her right to speedy trial. Mm -hmm. She gets it. She knows mm -hmm. what she's doing. Lori's not stupid. Not at all. She isn't. She's uh, in fact, calculating there was one little tense scary. moment today where uh, Thomas wrote something on a notebook and held it up for uh, Archibald to see. And I don't know if she didn't like it or did, but she had a very strong response. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the state, and this has been the state's stance all along here with the death penalty stuff, is that it is not time to make these decisions. This, these decisions yeah. should be made in the penalty phase, um, which isn't much of a defense, I got to say. Mm -hmm. They didn't have a very big fight here. I, I felt like they didn't really, they said, you know, the time's not right for this. This is too early. We shouldn't be talking about this yet. Well, that's mm -hmm. not actually a reason to decline, you know, like mm -hmm. to to keep the death penalty. They also mm -hmm. said that they did not think that the um, extra media coverage was a reason to mm -hmm. uh, to waive the death penalty either. Yeah, they didn't really have as much of an argument as they should have, I think, mm -hmm. because the judge asked them a lot of questions about this. But the other thing that came up here that was very interesting because we haven't heard this name or anything about this report until now, that was the death penalty mitigation specialist. Her name is Mary Goody. She's the person they bring in to review the case for the defense. And she looks at what are all the mitigating factors in this case? What are Lori's mental health? Was Lori abused as a child? You know, whatever, all the stuff that they're going to bring in during penalty to say, here's all the reasons why you should not execute this person because the mm -hmm. jury has to vote unanimously in favor of the death penalty for her to get the death penalty. And at this point, Mary Goody says that all of the questions at late discovery, um, particularly is uh, proves prejudice against Lori, which is in and of itself a reason to strike the death penalty. And the judge was really curious about that. 
and really concerned about what that report says. Mm -hmm. Um, The defense, or I mean, the prosecution was pretty much like, yeah, but you know, that's just what she's saying. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. They doubled down a lot on all of their stuff being turned in on time and that this just, Mm -hmm. none of this was real, but did they really argue why the state should use the death penalty? They didn't. Mm-mm. And Archibald did not have a rebuttal. And I thought that was interesting because there really yep. wasn't enough presented to need a rebuttal. No. Could no. Be interesting. I'll be honest. I don't think they have used the uh, death penalty, I think, hoping for it to be a bargaining chip that it didn't mm-hmm. turn out to be because she won't play. Yeah. I think that. Uh, I don't think the state's going to care that much if the uh, death penalty comes off the table. I don't think they're going to offer it, but I feel like suspect it's going to happen. If that's your punishment for us. Okay. I also think that they are very cool with the evidence, the uh, phone jail phone calls getting thrown out. They don't care if those are in Lori's. They they could be more exculpatory for Lori than anything. Right. They could. But my opinion of those is that they felt like they were a big nothing burger. I just don't think if those get thrown out, if those are the penalties, uh, you know, issued to them to make uh, Archibald feel better, that they take death penalty off the table and they throw out those. I think they're high fiving in the back room. I don't think they care. Yeah. The thing I think that is the biggest bone of contention are the FBI interviews Mm -hmm. that have just only been turned over just very recently. The thing is they're not really very recently. So on in eight of uh, August of 2021, all of this, all of these interviews with that the FBI did were turned over. Mm-hmm. What they're arguing now is that there have been follow-ups with these interviews with the FBI mm-hmm. and the, the defense is saying, we don't have the follow-ups. Mm-hmm. The prosecution is saying, yeah, you do. It's in all your stuff and mm-hmm. you just haven't looked at it. Yep. And they were basically the uh, Archibald was saying, you know, this is something that should be thrown out because it was turned in on the 27th of February Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be on or before, remember, mm-hmm. just the difference of one word here. Yep. Um, and that without those, that the um, defense's whole or that the prosecution's whole case would be out the window. Yeah. The thing is, there is definitely proof that the original interviews were, in fact, turned over on eight, mm-hmm. on eight, whatever, of 2021. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Definitely questions there. Mm-hmm. So then we had a little recess mm-hmm. and a really interesting thing, <laughs> several interesting things. One of which was Lori is standing there and she really ignores John Thomas. Like she hardly looks at him, hardly speaks mm-hmm. to him, but she's always, you know, her body I, language is away from him and always up always. against Archibald. Yes. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I said today that she was shining the tarnished vagina up to, uh, mm-hmm. um, Archibald, because, you know, it, mm-hmm. we started out with Golden, but I think it's pretty tarnished at this point. But it dawned on me today, one of the reasons why, Archibald kind of reminds me of some of the film I've seen of Charles Vallow. Mm-hmm. He was this big, tough, imposing guy mm-hmm. who was, you know, Lori's protector. And, mm-hmm. and I think she sees Archibald in that same way. And, mm-hmm. and Thomas doesn't have the same physical presence. Mm-mm. And that you can see that she he, he's not her protector, Mm-mm. but Archibald is definitely mm-hmm. her protector. <laughs> but then mm-hmm. 
Because, you know, Pryor is there, right? He's wandering around talking to people. <laughs> he walked up and Lori and Thomas and Archibald are facing us. Mm -hmm. And Archibald is facing them. And he starts talking to them. And the looks on Archibald and Thomas's faces were absolutely priceless. I think I said, if um, bless your heart was a facial expression, that's what we saw. <laughs> they were like, yeah. both of them leaned back away <laughs> from him. And they had these like, really like, mm, smiles on their mm -hmm. faces, looking at him like. Mm -hmm. oh, Even boy. Lauren's smile got kind of <laughs> dubious. Yeah. <laughs> it was mm -hmm. really great, but you could tell there's no love lost there. Mm -mm. No. Yeah. No, but Boy Pryor was working the room. He he started out talking to the prosecution. And, you know, they chatted oh, with yeah, him. Yeah, he worked the room. He talked to everyone. Mm -hmm. Not us. Though. Not us. <laughs> <laughs> I love that we both at the same time, except for us, not. Yeah, no. They look at us. He's We're looked at us kids. many times. Like they're all wondering who we are. Lori made eye contact with both of us today. And I was like, oh. she was looking right at us. And she's only about 20 feet from us where we usually sit. However, mm -hmm. we are sitting somewhere else next time. So, so that we you can can't be a little point further your from my accident. Well, you know, I was directly in front of the judge. I mean, you know, like probably many feet away, you know, but still directly in front of the judge. So now we have to move. Yeah, somewhere else. Maybe we'll Better go back and sit with the detectives or something. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yes, we were sitting right in her eye line while she, she had turned around and was standing there visiting with her attorneys. And she looked us both in the eye multiple times. And finally, I was just buried in my phone. I'm like, I don't, I cannot quit looking at you. I can't, I don't want to look at you. This is so weird and awkward. Yeah. Weird. It was, Not it was very strange. uncomfy. Natasha, I'm so glad you found us. Natasha lost us after our name change. Oh no. Which has been almost a year ago. So I'm really glad you found us again. For sure. Um, Ramahedral, yes. Um, so there are going to be appeals in this case after the fact, regardless of the, whether the death penalty is attached or not. But you're right. There will be a lot fewer of them mm -hmm. if the death penalty is not attached. Mm -hmm. So that's going to mm -hmm. be pretty interesting. But yeah, the, the break was pretty interesting. We always just sort of sit back and listen and watch because mm -hmm. it gives us an opportunity. We hear things, mm -hmm. people talking and, you know, visiting. This is when we learned that John Pryor has added three people to his staff. Mm -hmm. So it's not just him on his own anymore, Your Honor. Mm -hmm. It was very braggy. It was weird the way he said that. It was. Three times. Yeah. Yes, we know. Just, yeah, he was hard. just working the room, which was funny. Mm-hmm. So then mm -hmm. we came back, and I know we're just about out of time, but the last thing was the motion in limine, which is to strike the, you know, we're back to this honor before the 27th, mm -hmm. and whether or not to strike the um, evidence that came in after. Mm -hmm. um, it's never going to happen. It's not. I don't think so. Yeah, I agree. I think the judge really started understanding the confusion between what was said in the in the written filing versus what the judge said in the hearing. And during that hearing, he gave them two extra weeks for expert testimony. So they moved the time back three, two weeks for that. Mm -hmm. And then said on the 27th for mm -hmm. all of the other discovery. And I, I agree. I think that the judge is recognizing that he said some things mm -hmm. that made it more confusing. I think that stuff's mm -hmm. going to stay in. 
I, I just don't think the 26th or the 27th is really going to matter, especially because the 26th was a Sunday. You yeah, know, the 27th was. was actually the the beginning of the week. It it, it, was it doesn't make any sense. It'll it, that will come through. I, I think so. But I do think it's possible that the judge may strike the death penalty. I we'll think see. that will be extremely upsetting for the Woodcocks. Yeah, I think there will be a lot of people who are upset about that. You know, having followed the death penalty as closely as we have in Idaho and other mm -hmm. states over the last few years, no. I get it. We as a society are moving away from the death penalty, mm -hmm. and there are some who are holding very tightly to it. Mm -hmm. But in general, I mean, the drug companies don't even want to make the meds. They don't want to be associated with mm -hmm. state-sanctioned murder. And I no. I wouldn't either, you know? Mm -hmm. There are a lot of questions, so mm -hmm. uh, we shall see. Can we tell these guys what happened to us last week? Have we uh, talked oh, about I it did. at all? Oh, you yes. did. Oh, okay. Oh, I did. Yeah. Well, never we, mind. we haven't been on Chris Cuomo yet, but hey, Chris Cuomo, we still want to be on Chris Cuomo. If mm -hmm. you didn't know, we got contacted by them last week to be on Chris Cuomo's show on on uh, News Nation to talk mm -hmm. about this case, and so yep. we're still hoping that's going to happen because yep. we would really it like to. It didn't work out that day. I was in Tucson. Like it was, that was going to be a very hard thing. And we couldn't, it wasn't a thing that uh, they could get together, I guess. Uh, but, but you know what? We're going to yeah. keep on tagging him and News Nation till they talk to us. <laughs> come on, man. Who knows more about this case than us? I really doubt anybody. <laughs> I was looking and, you we know, gotta we got to be have, in the top 10. We have five, well maybe. over 100 episodes on this case. <laughs> And just keep racking them up. So we will be in court next Wednesday. So we will come back next Wednesday with another update just like this. Mm -hmm. We will be back tonight for case updates at 7, which will be about other cases, obviously, uh, that live stream. So, you know, go take a break, have some dinner. I know I'm mm -hmm. going to. Um, and then come back because it turns out there is other crime going on in the world and we have more stuff to tell you about. Oh, there's some interesting stuff going on. There's there a trial going on right now. I cannot wait to tell you about. Yeah. So we've got lots for you. So thank you all for joining us. We really appreciate it. And we appreciate your support. You all recognize that we put a lot into this. If you want to buy us a coffee for going to court and doing the work we do, go to truecrimesquad.com. You'll see you can buy us a coffee there. We also have a place to send us a donation through PayPal. Um, you know, we do this on our on our own time because we love it so mm -hmm. any little bit helps us for sure absolutely and if you can't and you're just here cheering us on we appreciate that as well absolutely either you, way you, we yeah. appreciate you definitely and you know what we are the true crime squad thanks for being here everybody take care